0: Welcome to InnoVis, a podcast about visas. The purpose of this podcast is to shed some light on one of the most confusing aspects of globalization. Each episode, we will look at one country's current visa guidelines for working and studying and some information on the expat and migrant demographics and history of the place. I'm your host, Eleanor Chafee chin Nothing I say is legal advice or career advice. I am not an immigration lawyer, a representative of a government agency, or a life coach. Make sure you check all the information available to you from official embassy websites close to the time of your departure and ask detailed questions of your in country partners. So, that being said, let's jump right in. For this episode, we're taking a look at Singapore. One of the best descriptions I've ever heard of Singapore's economic modus operandi is that it's a big bus stop. Both cargo and people are always coming and going, and its geographic landscape means that the export of physical goods is far less than the export of professional services. Singapore's history is one of immigration, and that has established its current ethnic geography. Singapore has four main ethnicity categories, Chinese, Malay, Indian, and minority groups. I found a really interesting report by Alexander Noraste of the Cato Institute. He gives us some great background notes on the history of Singaporean immigration. Shortly after Singapore gained independence in 1965, it welcomed permanent immigrants and temporary foreign workers to labor in its growing economy. Part of the political demand for immigrants has been technocratic, but much of it has also been cultural. Lee Kuan Yew, the first Prime Minister of Singapore, argued that immigrants will do many jobs better than the next-generation Singaporean, Because the next generation Singaporean will have been brought up in an easier environment that has not deprived him of enough basic necessities to make him really want to work so hard. As a result, Singapore's immigration policy allows in so many workers of every skill level that 47% of all residents in 2017 were foreign-born. The arm of the government that is responsible for distributing visas is the Ministry of Manpower. Let's take a look at the Ministry of Manpower's breakdown of visa types. All quoted dollar amounts are for the Singaporean currency. And this is the cleanest, clearest, and most comprehensive guide to foreign labor visa types that I've ever seen in all my travels. It's a pleasure to read and a pleasure to explore. Go look at it yourself. Anyway, under the professionals category, there is the employment pass. uh, And this is for foreign professionals, managers, and executives. Um, Candidates need to earn at least $4,500 a month and have acceptable qualifications, which normally includes an accredited university degree and prior work experience. The Entree Pass is for foreigners who want to start or fund a new business in Singapore. People fluent in venture capital and scaling might want to check this out. You can go through the process of registering a company in only one day in Singapore. So broad guidelines for this visa type are that you already have proof of concept, traction, and um, startup capital. And finally, the personalized employment pass is for people who have significant disposable income. This visa offers the most flexibility in terms of bringing family members to come live in Singapore with the holder. Singapore's immigration system makes it fairly easy for a knowledge worker to come, take up residence, and contribute to the economy. Additionally, labor market flexibility stemming from the relative ease of recruiting temporary migrant workers when the economy is doing well and repatriation of those same workers when the economy slows down are key to Singapore's economic successes as a function of well-planned migration policies. Now, moving on to talk about temporary migrant workers, the second grouping of visas is for skilled and semi-skilled workers. And these visa options do not normally come with a pathway to citizenship clearly delineated. The S-PASS is the highest of the mid-range visa categories. For mid-level skilled staff um, can be blue-collar or white-collar, candidates need to earn at least $2,500 a month and meet the assessment criteria, um, which is different depending on what kind of work you will be doing. Um, The work permit for a foreign worker is for semi-skilled foreign workers in the construction, manufacturing, marine shipyard, processes, or service sector. and a very interesting category of singaporean visas is the work permit for a foreign domestic worker for foreign domestic workers to work in singapore um, the holder must be a female 23 to 50 years old be of an approved country of origin in south or east asia and have a minimum of eight years of education uh, there's a movie about this kind of worker published in 2013 and screened at Cannes. Iloilo, Ilo or Bama Jia is really sad, um, and it explores the relationship um, between the nanny and a, a child um, in a very affluent setting. It's quite similar to uh, Parasite, which came out. Two years ago. Anyway, the work permit for a confinement nanny is also a visa type uh, unique to Singapore. And this is only for Malaysian confinement nannies um, to work in Singapore for up to 16 weeks, starting from the birth of the employer's child. And finally, the work permit for a performing artist is for foreign performers Working in public entertainment outlets, like bars, hotels, and nightclubs. So it doesn't really include studio art or ceramics, I believe. But hey, maybe that will change. Moving on, there are three kinds of passes for undergoing further professional training in Singapore. This is separate from the visa obtained when studying at an approved Singaporean university. There's the training employment pass, and this is the visa to get when you want to be an intern in Singapore. This is for foreign professionals undergoing a practical training. You earn at least $3,000 a month. That's the eligibility stipulation. And this lasts for three months, and it is not renewable. Um, this should not be confused with the training work permit, which is for um, skilled and semi-skilled workers, it goes for six months, and the uh, the income requirement is a little bit less. Then there's the working holiday pass under the work holiday program and this is for students and graduates aged 18 to 25 who want to do the working holiday in Singapore. Um, For the uninitiated, a working holiday means you go work a minimum wage job in a different country for a few months, stay with host family, save money, and then go hostel hopping around the area. Um, Also work holiday programs uh, tend to have country requirements. So do check that out if that's something you're interested in. Um, Singapore and Australia have a special program. You can do the working holiday for up to one year if you are an Australian person. Now, as promised, I have some demographic statistics for you. Uh, By far, the most common visa is the work permit Um, as of June 2020. There were 940,200 work permits issued, uh, 188,800 S-passes issued, and 189,700 employment passes issued. Returning quickly to the point about the flexibility in labor policy, Singapore is one of the few countries to use economically oriented fees to regulate entry of workers. There are also the family ties and the marriage ties visas, but we won't discuss those. Instead, let's speak briefly on my favorite kind of visa, the foreign student visa. Thanks once again to Professor Naraste, Singapore's student visa system is liberally regulated for several reasons. First, Singapore's government wanted the city state to become a regional education hub, Um, and it has become quite Um, A pull for international students. Second, Singapore's government sees international students as a potential major source of economic growth because some of them settle there or forge international business relationships post-graduation. Third, foreign students subsidize Singapore's university and education systems through higher fees and better research talent. So if you're looking into universities, definitely looking to Singapore. more. Dove sei? Le cose che non dirò For all you journalists, speakers, and filmmakers, you guys fall under the miscellaneous and exempt activities. To get a miscellaneous work pass, the employer would still need to fill out forms, but for exemption, you can enter on the visit pass and notify the Ministry of Manpower of your planned activity before you start. You still have to notify them, because if you don't, it's considered a criminal offense. The miscellaneous work pass is for specifically foreign speakers, religious workers, and journalists taking on a short-term work assignment of up to 60 days in Singapore. This is not renewable. Um, And the work pass exempt activities are for performing short-term activities. And that concludes today's discussion on Singaporean visa types and guidelines. Please do check out the report by Alexander Naraste with the Cato Institute. Tons of great research and interesting statistics, as well as the Singapore's Ministry of Manpower website. Again, clean design, um, very user-friendly, very clear guidelines. I hope you found this interesting and see you in the next episode. Bye. Da qui comincerò a mentire, a dirti che da settimane non sto più pensando a te e a morire, che ho preso un'altra auto il venerdì, mi vedo con Andrea, Giulio e Fede. E si manca a ballare, così dimenticherò la tua pelle, i tuoi occhi, il profilo, i tuoi passi, la tua passione di guardare gli altri. Inventare quelle storie al confine tra assurdo e reale come questo nostro amore che non posso scordare Dove sei? In quale parte del mondo sei? Adesso